Hey everyone, thank you guys for tuning in with us. I'm Daniel, and of course, well, with my good, great friend Abel. And sadly, we're ending our we're ending our podcast, but we're ending it with a great guy. Hey Pharaoh, let my people go. Of course, we're ending it with Moses. Moses is a great guy that's in the Bible, and we learn a lot from him. So today we're going to cover Moses. We're going to talk about Pharaoh. We're going to talk about Moses' birth and what he, what he means to us and other people. All right. So as we begin, we see that Moses was born during a very <coughs> critical time of uh during a very critical time of history, uh, we see that he was born during the time where Pharaoh was executing a genocide of all the uh, the baby boys. And however, we see that God's providence is at hand, is at work in his life, and we see that he is actually spared from this genocide. Did. I do have a question, Abel. Didn't Pharaoh's mother give him up when he was younger? And what was that for? Pharaoh's mother? I mean, I'm sorry. Didn't Moses' Moses' mother give him up when he was a child? And was that out of fear that he would die? Or what was the case? In this case, she technically did give him up. We see that she put him in a basket. But... However, we may look at this and think that it was cruel, and we may think that she was giving him up in sense out of a sense to survive, but it's actually out of a pure sense. We see that this was actually Moses' only chance of survival. And again, all through this, we see God's hand at work in Moses' life. I We see that even from early on when we learn about Moses that God already has his hand over him and he wants to protect them whereas all the babies were dying and they were being fed to literally alligators but his mom wanted to save them and we see that he's brought into a royal family and he's taken care of and we see that God loves him and he already has a plan for Moses he already has a plan for his life definitely and a lot of times we look at the story and we think that it's mere coincidence that the basket that was carrying Moses came to stop where um, where Pharaoh's daughter was. However, through this we see that it is only divine providence that carried the basket to where Pharaoh's daughter was. And uh, another thing we see is that Miriam, his sister, we see that she's a very loving and caring sister. And we see that she follows the basket as it's going down through the river. And it just goes back to the idea that we are our brother's keeper. Um, and whatever we do, we must always make sure we take care of those around us, especially those who are family. Uh, we see in the story of Cain and Abel where he practically denies his um, his ability and his duty to uh, take care of Abel. Correct. And we see that even though he's sold, even though he's given away, that his sister still loves him. She could have been like, hey, you know what? He's not my brother anymore. And that's just it. And even to, even to the fact that she literally follows this basket. And I mean, I'm not talking about for five steps. She literally follows it to the T to see where he's going. And she loves his her brother. 
And as we go on, it is because of this great love that Miriam had for her brother that we see that um, that Miriam notices where the basket stops, and she notices that it's the prin- the the princess uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And when she sees this, she goes and talks with the princess. Over here, we see courage because she's approaching someone royal, and she herself is simply a slave. Except we see this courage going on, and we see that she talks to the princess. And um, again, by God's providence, we see that Miriam convinces the princess to let Moses' biological mother actually raise him up. And it is because of this that Moses, uh, in return, as he grows older, associates himself with the with the Israelites. Correct, and it it is it it does take a lot of courage because you have to get in the mindset that this is a slave that's going to the top of the top, and to mention her brother, and just that that should show you right then that even the family that Moses was put in that the Lord has great plans for him because it could have been any he could have died or he could have been put in any family but he's put into the most high the high up hierarchy family and he associates more with his family he has a sister who looks out for him and regardless of the fact that Moses was literally getting the royal treatment we see that again like I said before he associates himself with those who are weak, with his own blood, with the Israelites. And we see this in one instance where he sees an Israelite being beaten up. And while his heart is in the right place, we see that his action isn't. We see that his heart really longs for fairness and for love being showed to the Israelites. But we see that he goes and he kills the person that is beating up the Israelite, which is not the action that he should have done. First um, Timothy 5, 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than, than an unbeliever. Correct. And this shows us that Mo- Moses, when he's seen this happening... <clears throat> he could have just been like, hey, you know what? Hey, he probably deserved to get beat. He probably wasn't doing his job. Well, he could have had the worst day ever. But you know what? He stood for something that was right. And he said, we're not going to put up with this. Even to a fact where he could become super angry and started lashing out on the man. But my question to you is, Abel, did he go too far? Should he have just stopped the man and that was it? Was he wrong for basically killing the man? Definitely, the Bible reminds us in any situation not to kill, except in cases like where there is capital punishment, and that's done in an appropriate manner. Uh, But in this case, we see it was all out of spite and vengeance for, for this Israelite being beaten. Um, and especially with his power, he could have easily just told that person, Hey, look, I am practically a prince of Egypt. You'd better stop doing what you're doing or else uh, you're going to have problems with me. He could have done that. And if the person still wouldn't have listened to him, he could have simply just gone and talked with Pharaoh himself. I, I agree with you. I think it could have been handled th- differently. But I feel like at that time we have to understand also that Moses was so frustrated with and flabbergasted with the news that he just gotten. And this anger and frustration, it was taken out. It was... 
He was trying to do a good deed, but it it was taken out in a in a bad manner. Definitely. Um, another idea we get from this story is that Moses, at this point in, in his life, he had a very high role in society, and you know one thing to get from this is that if we're blessed with a lot we have a bigger responsibility to do as much good as we can to those around us right and like i said once again he could have just went oh i'm just gonna mind my own business but no he's still for what was right definitely however like i said before his heart was in the right place but his actions were completely wrong we see that Moses acted in haste. And in Proverbs 19.2, it says, Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. And <clears throat> we, never have to, we never have to worry about God's timing. God is always on time. And I think this plays out in the story of Moses as well. Definitely. Um at this point in Joseph's life, we get the sense that he probably had an idea of what was going on and what his plan was. The He probably saw that he had an, op, an ability to help the Israelites. Okay. And even if we know God's plan, we shouldn't try to do things on our own without asking God for guidance. In this story, we see that Moses, he tries to help God. And we must keep in mind that God doesn't need our help. He just wants us to listen and to obey Him in everything that we do. And in this case, like I said, Moses tried to help God by taking matters in his own hands and eventually killing the person. But that's not the way God wanted him to handle things. Right. And I think when that happened... Moses kind of just wanted to run away, and he was like, oh, gosh, what have I done? And what do I need to do to get back right with God? Definitely. We must always remember that God's timing is not always our timing. Sometimes they go parallel with each other, but then a lot of times they don't. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And that just show us that, as Christians, we must also learn to be mature, more mature and learn about things that there's a timing and a place for everything. Definitely. We see as the story goes on, uh, Moses marries Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro. Of Jethro. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe I read that he was a Midianite. Um, and we see that he becomes a shepherd for the flock of Jethro. And we see that this is such a big contrast. He went from having such a high position, being royal, to simply being a shepherd, taking care of sheep. However, it's through this lowly state that God was able to reveal himself to Moses. This shows us that God really just uses our time when we are when we are hurt and when we are down and when we feel vulnerable, like he can't use us anymore to really do great things, he used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Definitely, and it is almost always in our lowest point that 
we're able to look up and see God. A lot of times when we're at our highest, we tend to lose sight of God. And sometimes God causes things to happen in order for us, for us to reach rock bottom, in order to see Him and remember Him again. We see that He finally reveals Himself to Moses through a burning bush at Mount Horeb, which is also known as the Mountain of God. And this is where it's basically the turning point in Moses's life. We see that God calls him and tells him, look, you're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses kept on trying to come up with a different, all kinds of different excuses, um, which a lot of them were true, such as the fact that he was a slow speaker. He wasn't that good at speaking, but we must always remember that with God, nothing is impossible. If he wants us, if he wants to use us in a specific way, he'll open the doors for us to reach that goal. And we see that in order to encourage, um, in order to encourage Moses and to show him signs that he could show Pharaoh as well to, as an asset, as an incentive to let the Israelites go, we see that God performs this miracle by turning a staff, turning Moses' staff into a snake. And this shows that God is saying, hey, I know you don't think you're capable of doing this and you don't speak well, but through me, once again, everything is possible and you can do this and you will do it. And you, Moses, you will help set your people free. Definitely. And um, we see that after Moses lets go of his arguments and finally decides to comply with God's will, we see that he finally goes to Egypt and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And we see that he tells him this so many times because Pharaoh's heart keeps on, keeps on hardening. Um, and yet... God keeps on showing Pharaoh so many different times, so many different signs, gives him so many different chances. However, Pharaoh's heart is, heart is always hardened. Right. And how many times are we like that with God? He keeps giving a chance after chance, and that heart is hardened towards him, and we continue to do what we want to do. Psalms 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. We see that even though God is all-powerful and He can just smite us at an instant when we disobey Him, like I said before, we see that He's very merciful and kind and gives Pharaoh so many different chances to let His people go, to listen to God. But we see that He keeps on refusing to do so. Um, but finally, um, Finally, after the last plague, which was the the killing of every firstborn, including his own child, we see that finally Pharaoh's heart is somewhat softened and lets the Israelites go. But then once the Israelites reach the desert, we see that his heart is hardened again and we see that he sends his army after them. Right. And when that happens, when he does send his army after him 
God just continues to protect the people and he keeps them away from the army and he sets them free. Definitely. We see that before they even crossed the Red Sea, there there was a really thick fog in between the Israelites and Pharaoh's army. It says in the Bible that neither the Israelites or um or the or Pharaoh's army could go from one side to another because the fog was so thick you literally couldn't see anything in front of you. So finally God parts the Red Sea and he causes Pharaoh's army to drown within the Red Sea. And at first we see the Israelites are so happy. They praise God, sing, sing all sorts of so- songs and stuff. We see that Mary, Miriam comes up with a song on her own. We see later on, regardless of all the miracles that God has done, the Israelites start to complain. How, how many of us are like that where God brings us out of a situation and not even two days after we're complaining to God about something or we're not even thankful towards it? But regardless of all the complaining and moaning, we see that God is still merciful and he is so patient with the Israelites. Um, we, however, we see that at one point, God's patience wears somewhat thin. We see that he's still patient with them, but it, some, it somewhat wears thin. Uh, we see that at one point, God wants to destroy all of the Israelites. And he wants to make a whole nother nation uh, simply from Moses. But over here, we see that Moses is very compassionate and he's very loyal to the Israelites. And not just to the Israelites, but also to God. We see that Moses offers himself up for the Israelites. Mm-hmm. He tells God at one point, if you're going to kill them, then please blot my name from the book of life. Right. And... Uh, we also see that he reminds God of his great and mighty deeds that he has done throughout Israel again. And he tells God, think about how other nations will feel like. They'll be like, the Israelites finally got out of Egypt only mm-hmm. to die in the, in the desert. Yep. And it is because of this that God changes his mind, has mercy on them, and continues to still carry them through. Yeah, and it just shows us God's patience and his grace and his love towards us. Definitely. As I said before, we see in Exodus 32, 32, it says, and this is Moses speaking to God. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray you, out of your book, which you have written. Again, we see Moses is very humble and he associates with those who are in a very low place. And he really wants to see the Israelites succeed. And not only that, but he wants to see God's name honored and glorified, not just through the Israelites, but also through other nations. We see as we go on that we must help those even though though they don't deserve it. We see that at this point, there was pretty much no more hope for the Israelites. God wanted to kill them and they deserved it so much because God showed them so many miracles. He showed them so much love and yet they were constantly, constantly complaining and moaning. And so yet they deserved all 
that they had coming towards them, except Moses still loved them and still spoke to God on their behalf. Mm-hmm. This shows Moses like he's loyal to his people and he really wants the best for them and he wants in that relationship with Christ and God to be, God to just be happy, happy with them, pleased by them. Definitely. And we, as we look at this, we must remember what Jesus Christ did for us. It was pretty similar to what Moses did. We see that he wanted to go down with the, with the Israelites if God wouldn't forgive them. And we see in Jesus' life, we see that he gave up everything he had, all his riches, all his glory, and came down to this earth, took the form of a human, and more so of a servant, and then he died a miserable death on the cross in order to forgive us of all our sins and to give us eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right, that's, that's perfect. That fits it perfectly. And God is just so good towards us that we can we can trust God in any situation. I know that they're probably nervous when they're crossing, when the sea had parted for them, but just the just have faith in God and God can God can move mountains. In this case, he just moved water and allowed them to walk across it. And we just have to keep faith in him. Definitely. No matter what circumstances we're going through, always remember that God can do all things and he will see you through somehow. Um, So as we go on, we see again, the Israelites finally reach Canaan and they're about, they're on the verge of going in. However, they send 12 spies to scout out the land and see who's living there, how the land is itself and stuff like that. Mm And we see that the spies come back with two reports. The first re- report is a good news. The land is so good and fertile. They bring, bra- they bring back um, branches of huge grapes. However, the second news wasn't that great. The second news was that the people there were really big. From the description in the Bible, it seems like all the people living in Canaan were basically giants. Uh, one of the spies describes it in the Bible that they were like flies compared to them. Yeah. However, regardless of what ten of the ten of the spies said, the other two spies, I believe it was Caleb and Joshua, said that it was. Although although the people there were really big and stuff like that, they said, look, we have made it this far. God will carry us the rest of the way. Let's go in and let's take Canaan. However, at this point, we see that the Israelites are so scared. They even uh, try to find a way to kill, uh, to kill Moses. But we see that Moses pleads with them. And finally, they decide not to kill Moses. But God is really upset with them, and while He still gives them life, we see that He makes sure that the generation that they were in that didn't believe would never enter into Canaan. And we see that because of this, He makes them go and wander in, in the desert. And this is a great reminder. If God shows you so many countless signs showing you that He is with you, Right. You know, never start doubting him because if you keep on doubting him constantly, 
Later on, he's gonna punish you, and he's not gonna help you out anymore. Wow, wow. And once again, just overall with all our podcasts, it comes down to having a pure heart, keeping faith in God, allowing God to do what he does best. Definitely. Always keeping in mind, in Matthew 19, 26, it says, And Jesus, having looked at them, um, said to them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Everything is possible, and that we just need to keep faith with God. And even when times get rough, know that he helped David, he's helped Moses, he helped Noah, he helped all these great people. And he didn't stop with them. He's going to help you. Just keep faith in him and love him. Definitely. And that pretty much wraps up the story of Moses. And it wraps up our podcasts here during this semester. We hope you guys enjoyed. We hope you guys have a good rest of your semester. And God be with you all. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.